0: Why is it that when discussing the role of guaranteed income within a retirement plan, Social Security and pensions seem like good things, but annuities seem largely like scandalous things? Might it be the high commissions and high pressure sales tactics? But what if you could get rid of those? Today we welcome someone who has done just that David Lau of DPL Financial Partners. David helps us explore the wide world of annuities, what they are, what they do, and how fiduciary advisors are using them today. Stay tuned as we discuss all this and more right now on the Retirement Lifestyle Show.
1: Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani. Eric Olson and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams.
0: Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm here today with one of our co hosts, as we usually are. That's Adrian Nicholson. I'm Eric Olson our other co-host couldn't make it today uh, unexpectedly roshan will be back next week too bad for you roshan because you're going to (laughs) miss out on an awesome conversation that we're scheduled to have today with david Lau. David is a serial innovator and a fintech guy who's been in the industry in one comp, uh, fashion or another, one role or another, launching innovations that the industry has long needed. I remember uh, 10 years ago, first uh, encountering one of the tools that David innovated with uh, a, a commission-free, no-load variable annuity. And I thought, wow, this is awesome that the industry is going this way. I had no idea who was the the genesis behind that idea or the driver behind that idea, but we get to have him as a guest on the show today. So today, uh, David, in his role now, is the head of DPL Financial Partners, which has innovated still again in the space, offering a variety of commission-free annuity and insurance products in, and in a setting or in an industry that is for the most part offering clients very little choice in that category, at least has been until David and his team started to innovate here and it, it both teach advisors like Roshan, Adrian and me, how these tools can be used as well as teaching insurance companies that indeed there is a market for these sorts of things and uh they should start to develop those so we're extremely grateful not just for you being on the show here to with us today david but also for the work that you've done and then honestly the contribution that you've made to i think more of a more fiduciary approach to serving clients so welcome
2: thanks eric uh good to see you too adrian look forward to the conversation all right. Yeah, we're really always happy to have a, a guest on this show, David, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot of really good content and some good expertise mm-hmm. here, so I'm ready to go. Amen. Terrific. So uh, I
0: want to just say to our listeners, we have not, in the two plus years that we've been recording this, done a dedicated episode to the subject of annuities. We've touched on a variety of insurance products in the past to explain how they work, but haven't really done a deep dive on annuities. And so today is a bit of a true confessions or mea culpa <laughs> for you, our audience, to understand perhaps why that is. So the the and it's connected directly to the question of commissions. So as you our listeners know we have um, shaped our practices in a way that are our fiduciary practices meaning we're not looking to we're not looking to come in under the guise of saying we're going to do something in your best interest but in our back pocket we have a tool that we can whip out persuade you to uh, purchase, and suddenly we can go make a boat payment. (laughs) So instead, what we have done is to say, well, since there doesn't seem like there's a clear path toward those sorts of tools that historically have carried these commissions, we just won't talk about them at all, or at least not much. And that really in some ways is a disservice to you, our listeners, and I would argue in some ways also a disservice to our clients. So it's a relief to be able to find now a a rapidly developing suite of tools that David and his team have identified and assembled and coaxed out of various insurance companies, uh, (laughs) both on the annuity and the insurance side, to put us in a position where we can start to put these tools into our financial planning software and our other modeling tools and find whether they could make a good contribution to your outcomes, clients and listeners without having this sort of concern that we're gonna now have to explain to you why it is that we're bringing in something that has a commission uh, built into it. So that's, so I think I'm done with the mea culpa for right now and, and we could uh, proceed on to talk about these tools themselves. So David, actually, be, before we talk about the tools, would you just say a few more words about kind of your, your path? How, how is it that you're leading DPL and how, how is it that uh, your career got here?
3: Yeah, well, I've I've had a long thanks for that you know intro. You know, Eric set some good context for what we'll talk about. But yeah, I've had a long career in financial services. You know, I'm I'm getting to be old. Uh, I've been around financial services since the mid '90s, and really that the experience I had, my first experience in financial services, is really what has informed my whole career. I didn't start out in financial services, but in the mid '90s, I joined a bank that was a direct bank we We were just getting started. It was a direct bank, and the notion was branches are just expensive. they They just are you know high overhead, you know they're you know at just add costs to the consumer. Uh, so and you're selling commodity products. So can we build a direct bank, eliminating the branches uh, and provide better value products to the customer by eliminating what is effectively really expensive distribution? in the form of a branch. And then, you know, kind of fortunately, as we were getting this bank launched and we were, you know, a year or so into it, uh, the internet came along and we basically had already an internet model, effectively, you know, as a bank. So we became the first internet bank in the country. It was a bank called Telebank and it was Telebank because, it was named pre-internet, otherwise it would have been internet bank or e-bank or something like that. Um, but the, the notion was, again, deliver better consumer value by eliminating cost and overhead from the manufacturer's point of view, which was the bank. So we were, you know, hugely successful, you know, in building the bank. We we grew it from fifty million in assets when we launched, you know, and you know, from a bank that we had purchased to sixteen billion in about five years. Wow! So you know, massive, huge growth, and and it spoke to, you know, people need better value from their you know product providers, you know, in financial services. So. After that, we sold the bank to eTrade, became eTrade Bank. Uh, you know, I spent a little time there and then ultimately, you know, left to kind of consult for companies literally around the globe on how to build internet banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, did that with Shinsei Bank in Tokyo, which was the largest bank in the world at the time. Uh, you know, Merrill Lynch, you know, helped launch their banking, you know, products, uh, you know, and, and a number of others, uh, before then rejoining uh, one of the founders or the founder, you know, the primary founder of the bank, a guy named David Smilo, who's you know, here on my board now at, at DPL, um, where he founded an insurance company called Jefferson National with the same notion. Can we eliminate the expensive distribution in order to provide better products? And in insurance, it's not branches, it's commissions. And also, by the way, wholesaling, right? So, you know, if, you know, for people who don't understand what that means is one. When you're getting traditionally a life insurance product or an annuity product, uh, you know, there's the broker who's selling you or agent who's selling you the policy. They're getting a very hefty commission on that product or historically they have. And then there's the wholesaler who works for the insurance carrier who's talking to that person, convincing them to sell their product. And by the way, one of the best ways of doing that is giving them a really big commission. So the, and And that commission, by the way, is paid and this is a common misunderstanding you know based on the way they often get presented to clients. that commission is coming from the client you know it's not coming directly from the client immediately the The insurance carrier is paying the agent that commission, but then the price of the product gets to be really expensive, so the insurance company starts taking back that commission little by little, year after year after year, and that's why they lock you up into a policy so that they can make sure they get their money back from the commission, but, you know, the client is paying a very expensive price. So when you look at, you know, kind of driving change in the insurance world, it's, okay, number one, we gotta get rid of the commission. You know, Everything else in the world is going to no load, mutual funds, you know, you've got ETFs, retirement plans, everything in the world is moving to no load, meaning commission-free uh, and driving costs down across financial services everywhere except insurance. Insurance is living in this bubble that is you know, still high-priced, no cost comparisons, commission-driven, and, and that just needs to change so at the bank you know so at the we built a you know a pretty successful company at jefferson national you know as you were describing eric we we innovated the you know the annuity by saying what well, hey let's let's just bring out a flat fee annuity why does it need to be a basis point charge or you know percentage of your assets costs us the same to administer the policy why why do we need to you know vary it based on the size of the account uh so we You know, we brought out a $20 a month flat fee product and, and we had a lot of good success with it, but the, it didn't have the effect that the bank had. So when we launched the bank, we drove change throughout the banking industry. Now every Bank of America, you know, Citibank had to start offering internet services. They had to start offering bill pay. They had to start matching the things that we were bringing to the table. That didn't happen at Jefferson National. What happened was insurance carriers started launching products just like ours because they thought, okay, this is, you know, we'll we'll do a very simple product just like theirs rather than driving change throughout all the product sets, which is what, what I'd hoped for. And so after doing that and building that company for about a decade, I said, you know, this isn't moving the needle for consumers like I want it to. So let me the better way to do this will be to create an independent company that effectively mirrors what Charles Schwab did for mutual funds back mm-hmm. in the 80s. And you create a marketplace of no-load, commission-free insurance products, and that has two really important benefits. You know, Number one, you're driving costs down dramatically, 80%-ish, uh, right, on, on products. And number two, It allows people like you guys who are fiduciaries to start using the products because they're now not commissioned. So the customer is getting a better result in two meaningful ways. They're getting a far better priced product and they're getting it implemented from somebody who's looking after their best interest, not somebody who's trying to maximize their commission
2: great yeah that's really great and you brought up like two really uh great concepts that i like when you're kind of talking about like how you ended up where you where you are today where you kind of looked at this kind of commission standard that's kind of been in place for so long and really looked at that and say hey what can we do to really like change what can we really do here to kind of make this better to kind of look for like a new marketplace and really just bring like you said the best value to the customer at yeah. the end of the day by lowering um costs And I also like in your um, kind of story as well, how you kind of use technology, you kind of leveraged it to make it even better to implement it. So I I really like how you're kind of not in the status quo, kind of looking at certain um, systems in place, and seeing how you can make it better and move forward for the client, I think it's really great.
3: And yeah, that does bring up a really important point, you know, Adrian, so part of what enables us to do what we do is technology, right? So you've got to, if you're, you know, we look at technology as replacing the wholesaler, right? So number, you know, in the banking you know, model, okay, get rid of branches, okay, that's easy. Now, now, what's your storefront? You know, it's gotta be technology. You know, in, in uh, insurance, we get rid of the commission, okay, but now how do we get to the market with the products? And, you know, and doing that in the traditional way is, you know, paying a wholesaler, and again, this is the person who represents the insurance company going door to door, talking to financial advisors, taking them out to expensive dinners, maybe to ball games, you know, all that stuff, which is a really expensive way, again, of distributing, which also, by the way, gets built into the cost of the product for the customer. So if you can deliver that through technology, you've got a couple of other advantages. One, you've got cost advantage and scale advantage, you know, doing that. Uh, but two, you also, which is what, you know, the part of it that I really love is you bring in comparison and you bring in, Price, com- you know, price comparisons. When people think of annuities, nobody other than like simple annuities, like SPIAs, which are you know immediate income annuities, uh, or MIGAs, which are kind of like CDs, where it's just a plain rate, you know, and they're super easy to compare. How do you compare a variable annuity? How do you compare fixed index annuities, which are the two most popular types? They're super hard. Nobody does it. You know, it's just you're sold a product based on what the salesman is trying to sell you. You know, and they they're built with things that sound very sellable. You know, we're gonna have great growth and no no downside and all this, you know, nonsense, um, when really what you want to be able to do is compare product to product. Let's find the best product. And that's what you do with every other product that you're working with for your clients, right? I mean, you don't just pick a mutual fund based on the wholesaler who shows up and says, hey, this is a great fund. You, you've got tools to evaluate, right? So we do the same thing. So our technology, some people have likened it like to Morningstar's, you know, fund analyzer, you know, that we bring technology so we can normalize looking at annuities and you don't need to be an annuity expert to find the best product for your client. You just need to know what you want to deliver for the client. And then we bring technology to compare all the products in the market and say, this is the best one for your goal. And so, and I think that's hugely important as well because before you know before something like that carriers the only thing they really compared about cared cared about competing on were commissions and you know bells and whistles not value you know, it's
0: interesting. I wasn't thinking that we would necessarily talk about tools for evaluating this, but it makes sense on your website. I noticed uh, there and played with one of the tools there actually, which yep. is allowing you to go in and say, okay, here's the, here's the parameters for this particular client. Is it single? Is it, are the clients married? You know, who? what's the age of the younger, male or female? Okay. How much are they looking for in income or how much do they have? Did they want to allocate to this sort of a solution? Now here are the here are the various tools. I thought it, and it was interesting. It was tool agnostic because it brought back, in some cases, it brought back uh, as what you call a SPIA for our listeners. That's a that's a um, single premium immediate annuity, SPIA or SPIA, uh, and it compared those with a variety of other de- deferred annuities, just yep. showing which is going to provide the the best result for this client if they're looking for income or or what so yeah thank you for the set of tools i know i'm going to be going back and using that now again and again and then trying to find things that and and the parameters of those in the current state of the market because the interest rates are going to change some of those outcomes a little bit etc cetera, etc cetera, but then to be able to bring that into a financial plan so yeah So it's important,
3: again, just Mm -hmm. to focus on outcomes, right? We Mm -hmm. we don't care about product, it's outcome. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you looking to deliver? So I don't, you know, care whether it's a variable annuity or a SPIA or fixed indexed annuity, you know, and the client doesn't, they care about the result and the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we, you know, we look across all product types. You just tell us what you're looking to do, we'll find the best product to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, I want to also just identify a kind of framework that we I think our conversation is gonna follow from this point uh, till David has to leave, which is to first just identify some basics of annuities, then talk about some of their properties, and yep. and features. Then third, there are criticisms and we've touched on some of those so we don't necessarily need to go all that much deeper in those but there are indeed responses to the critics and then I'd really love to spend most of the remaining time actually on the various applications for these various tools so if you don't mind david i'm gonna actually take a quick stab at this and then if i completely muff it you can correct me and we can we can or we can even delete things from the recording we're we're in good shape there (laughs) great (laughs) but listeners i think the simple way to understand annuities if your head is already swimming thinking i don't really understand these there there's there are many, many types of them, but I think they reduce in the simplest, simplest terms to the following two choices. Number one, do I want to forfeit my cash, and I will not have control over that cash at any point in the future, and and trade that cash for some guaranteed income stream for some period of time, starting at a, point in time I decide. It can be now that I, I want it now. I can have it kick in when I'm 80 or 85, you name it. but it Or I can have it last my whole life. I can have, have it last a few years. But the point is, is that you're forfeiting that cash. The other form is where you don't forfeit that cash. Although it, it may be that it, it depletes over time, but these are normally referred to as deferred Annuities, even, even though I referenced the concept of deferring the, the inception of income in, in talking about quote unquote immediate annuities. But in this case, too, you have the choice of when do you start that income? It could be now, it could be later. It, and, and there's then mel, many, many different manifestations and permutations of those different tools. But that's the essential thing. It's, a, it's, it's an approach of trading cash for, for some, a guaranteed or, or using cash to obtain um, commonly an income stream or tax deferral. Is it, I don't know that there's much more to say about that, but David, you think, Eric, you're completely missing it, bro.
3: Here's what <laughs> this really looks like. No, that's, that's completely fair. I think about it but before you know, giving a framework for how I think about it you know, in terms of the products. Like you said, there's lots of products and so, you know, lots of different product types. So, one of the things is you know people sometimes they hear annuities and they 're like, "Oh, annuities, you know a, a you know controversial product and the the thing is they're not controversial among people who aren't that don't have a financial incentive around them, right mm-hmm. so academics. With academics who study retirement, Nobel Prize winners, retirement researchers, they are universally supported for retirement income. Universally, you you can't find a legitimate academic who doesn't like the annuity structure, and the an annuity structure has been around since the Roman times, right? And so it's it's a great device and it's a great structure you know for for pooling risk and creating a you know, lifetime income it's a really solid structure the controversy and problems come with commissions so you know commissions as i say are the root of all evil in you know, you could probably say it in anything, right? But it's certainly in annuities. They're, you know, commissions are a bad structure. They drive up pricing. They create just, you know, you know, poor incentives that are not aligned with the customer's interest. Uh, you know, they create the need for bells and whistles to differentiate and create sales mechanisms. So there's all kinds of bad that comes from the commission. You eliminate the commission, you get down to a fundamental structure that is very valuable to a financial advisor and to a client and so now to get to the way you know i think about it is so the spia as we keep talking about is the immediate income annuity single premium immediate income that means basically as you describe you're taking some assets and you're buying an income stream that's the way to you know kind of think about it you're, you've turned and and now and right now is actually a really good time to do that we've had a you know, whatever 13, 14 year bull market, take some of the chips off the table, as they say. And let's, if you're approaching retirement, let's buy income with some of the gains. It's a, it's a great thing to do. However, behaviorally, it's a challenging product. Lots of clients don't like the notion of I've turned over these assets to the carrier. You know, what if I get hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow? Uh, you know, do I lose all that money? you know that's the concern so they're not very popular products you know with clients and financial advisors frankly don't also like losing control you know of the assets should they you know so they can be reactive to client needs um so really good products in terms of the value tough behaviorally uh both for advisor and client so the most popular products are variable annuities and fixed indexed annuities um and the way to think about those is before taking income, you're going to accumulate. Your assets are going to grow. How would you like them to grow? In a variable product, hence the name, you're going to invest in funds, you know, just like mutual funds. You're going to invest in funds. You're going to be in the market. Your assets can go up and down, you know, based on the market performance. So you've got variable accumulation. The benefit of the annuity through that variable variable accumulation is you also get tax deferral which is a is, which is a valuable component of you know any account you know, let's not pay taxes let's defer it you can get you know compounded growth on that that's terrific with a fixed index you're growing more like a bond you're growing you know not in a variable component you've got a downside protection you can't lose assets due to market performance they offer a fixed rate You know, in the account, you know, you know, our products right now are, you know, two and a half, three, maybe three plus percent in the, in the fixed account. And then you also have what they call indices, you know, that you can invest in, you know, the S and P and the way that kind of works is you get a downside of zero. So you can't lose money and then you get a limited upside. You know, maybe it's five, six percent. You know, in the S and P, so it's it's a very safe product. You know, and you it's, you're taking risk off the table. But you know, don't let anyone tell you it's gonna. You're you're investing in the S and P, and you're gonna get no downside with you know all the upside. It's gonna perform more like traditional fixed income. You're gonna get you know three ish percent returns, and then ultimately with either of those products, where they get really powerful, you get that benefit of tax deferred growth. Uh And then, when you turn on income, you now get income for life and the advantage of doing it through those products is you remain you the assets remain accessible until they've been depleted by the payouts, meaning you can start taking income and if for some reason you need whatever assets you haven't been paid out, you can get them uh it's there you don't turn them over to the carrier like you do with Uh, you know, in in immediate annuity. And then the further benefit is after your assets have all been paid out, the insurance carrier, this is the insurance part, will continue paying you for life. And that is a really valuable, you know, benefit, you know, for a financial plan in many different regards.
2: Yeah, that's a really great point that you brought up. And I kind of like how you said, like, Um, some of the previous podcasts we had we kind of talked about kind of like alternatives to bonds like bonds sometimes are losing people money given the current interest rate environment, it's a conversation our clients are having more and more where they're looking for other areas of income since we're on the topic of annuities today kind of like given like the outlook where interest rates are going and what people are talking about with them how how do you think annuities are going to really respond in the future with with this given interest rate environment
3: yeah it's i mean interest rates affect everybody so annuities you know in higher interest rate environments you know had higher payout rates offered higher you know caps and and interest rates and stuff like that but actually in low interest rate environments is where annuities really shine relative to traditional fixed income so you know because annuities have risk pooling you know i I quickly mentioned that earlier meaning you know the carriers taking all these lives you know they're you know building actuarial models around how long people will live and then they're in the payout rate that is given to the client meaning how what percentage of your assets are they going to pay you each month um is factored in this, you know, what they call a mortality credit. So you're going to get paid a little bit above the interest rate because of this risk pooling. And that risk pooling amount doesn't change in a low interest rate environment. Right? That stays that stays steady and regardless. It doesn't change, you know, the interest rate environment doesn't have effect on mortality. Um, though the interest rate so in a low interest rate environment like today say you know you're getting a point and a half on 10 year treasuries you know that that uh, risk pooling mechanism in the mortality credit is still going to give you an additional two two points on your payout rate you know in a traditional interest rate environment where you might be getting 5% you're still getting the 2% so relatively the the value of the annuity is is greater in a low interest rate environment so that's that's one aspect, and you know that people you know have common misperception about. But the you know the other thing, you know, as we talk about with ma- many advisors is, you know, as as you're mentioning, Adrian, fixed income is painful right now, right? I mean, and and where I I say we're in a low interest rate era. You know, it's it's not even an environment anymore. We've been in it for 14 years, and it's getting worse, right? So, I mean, at, at what point do we say this is the reality that we're living with, not a point in time? And and I think it's a reality at this point. You know, and if you look at other industrialized countries, you'd come to the same conclusion. Where we're, you know, David Blanchett, who's a retirement researcher, you know, is a good buddy, and we, we do a lot of stuff together, you know, in terms of podcasts and webinars. He's got a slide that shows you interest rates have been declining for like three thousand years. I mean, there there's there's no trend that says interest rates are going up. Uh, you know, and so. When you're looking at that, you have to look for alternatives. And so what we see, which I find really troubling, and I think it gets masked by the fact that we're, we're in this prolonged bull market is two things. And, and there's, we have it in our own data. We've got it anecdotally and you've got it, you know, throughout industry studies from BlackRock and Schwab and all kinds of people. The equity portfolios are increasing. So in your traditional, you know, portfolio, somebody might be a 60, 40, they're creeping up to eighty twenty because the equity markets have been performing. The fixed income markets haven't. Clients are like, "Why do I want to go into a bond at one percent when the market's just you know this raging bull?" There, you know, people lose perspective that there is actual risk in the market. You know, particularly when we have a pandemic and it bounces back in like sixty days. Uh, so you know, there's, you have this dynamic that equities have been doing well, people don't want to move out of equities, fixed income is problematic. So you get that dimension of risk being built into portfolios. The other thing is you start looking as a financial advisor, what alternatives do I have to the trusty old bond, right? The, the trusty old, you know, treasury or the, you know, AAA corporate, you know, which don't yield very much and negative relative to inflation these days. What alternatives are there? And basically it's getting more risk. You know, it's bringing more risk into the table. So, you're, you know, clients are bringing, getting risk on both sides of their portfolio. They're getting more risk because they're heavier you know, allocated to equities. They're having riskier fixed income. And that's why I think, again, you know, I get so passionate about what we're doing because we're giving advisors like you guys a whole new tool. And a safe one, you know, I mean, th- you know, in- insurance carriers, you know, these are very safe investments. You know, I'm not saying they're risk free, but, you know, these are, you know, these are safe investments. It gives you a whole new tool, you know, outside your investment world to help deliver better outcomes for your clients. So,
0: Dave, we're talking about these various features of annuities, and you've mentioned now a couple of times risk pooling and mortality credits, so I want to take a shot at explaining this for our listeners. So, listeners, imagine that you and nine of your neighbors, you're all 60 years old, and you all have a life expectancy, at least according to broad population tables, let's say, of 25 years from that stage. Maybe it's 30. We'll just use 25 for this purpose. You might all go buy a bunch of bonds for a portion of your income and figure, okay, I'm probably going to live around 25 years. I'm going to, between the interest that's paid off of those and the underlying principle, I'm going to make that so that it kind of, it taps out just around that 25th year. Or, or you might say, no, that's foolish because there's some group of us that's going to live longer than that. Maybe we should make it stretch out until we're our mid-90s or 100. Well, all right, so you all, you do that. And just think about that for a minute. You're 60, you're gonna make it last till you're 100. That means that with you get to take about 2.5% of that per year plus whatever interest it might generate uh, on average over those years. Well, that's not, a, that's not necessarily getting a killer return on your portfolio if you can take yeah. that low a withdrawal rate from that portfolio. But you, so you might say instead with your nine neighbors, let's make a pact. Let's instead agree that we will, as a group, insure one another, because we know on average that we probably will live till 85, that's 25 years. Now we can take 4% per year plus a little bit of that interest instead of a mere two and a half. And you may say, well, four isn't that different from two. On a million dollars it is, that's $15,000 a year more that you get to spend. What happens there, though, is... That granted, one of you is going to pass away at 64, another at 68, another at 72 and 76 and 80, et cetera, et cetera. And you won't draw on that any longer on that pool that the several, the 10 of you put together. And so now those people that live out to that age 92, 96 and 100 have resources that will allow them to continue to spend at that four percent plus a little bit of interest uh, and and make it all the way to the finish line without having to worry about it that's what this is is that the longer life people are winning the advance or or are obtaining at least the the benefit of some of those people having essentially subsidized their their future and do the people who passed away at 64 and the 68 necessarily care well, maybe their kids care a little bit, but they don't care because they're not here to care anymore. So that's the principle of of pooling the risk of uneven life expectancies and then allowing the longer life people to have the, the confidence that they can continue to have a, a, a better lifestyle than they otherwise would have if they were every single one of them trying to hedge against the risk that they'd all live till 100.
3: That's right. That's right. So that's you know so you know for financial advisors who you know say, "Oh, I can do what an annuity can do, I can manage money like the insurance carrier maybe, but you you also can't pool risk right and and that's really the the value you're getting there and so there's a couple of things that you know people you know should realize you know number one, you know probably for your clients they're likely to be in the better part of that risk spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, the wealthier, healthier set, you know, tend to live longer, um, number one. And number two is, you know, life expectancy, particularly, again, for the wealthier, healthier, continues to expand. Um, and, you know, MIT, Age Lab, you know, they'll, they'll say right now, you should expect that you will spend a third of your life in retirement. You know, think about that. And, and by the way, you're going to self-fund it. Mm-hmm. Primarily, I mean, you're going to have social security, hopefully at the same levels as it is today, you know, maybe with you know, reduced benefits, but you're going to have to live off your savings, you know, for 30, 35, maybe 40 years. Uh, so that, that is a tremendously long period of time. It's a difficult burden. It's, it's a psychological problem for clients who fear that. So there's, you know, a number of, a number of things. I'll get to that in, in just a second, but, just on an easy way to quantify what risk pooling means let's like bring it home you know we talk about this here's the you know here's how you risk pool here's what it means there's more mortality credits well and you know annuities do better in a low interest rate environment well to eric if to your example if you're looking to fund say $50,000 of income for 30 years You know, you if you're going to look to today's fixed income market, it's going to cost you, let's say, you know, a million one, a million two in assets to fund that income need for those thirty years. So you're going to have to dedicate a million, you know, million two in fixed income to do that. You can fund that same income need with an annuity for six or seven hundred thousand dollars, right? That's a tremendous advantage. You know, so when you're looking at the portfolio, you know, for a client, you've got these underperforming fixed income assets. So what can you do? You know, you look for options and annuity is a really powerful option today. And that's what retirement researchers will tell you. You know, Wade Fowles, David Blanchett's, annuities are about 40 to 45% more efficient in today's interest rate environment at generating income. So why wouldn't you do it? The other benefit to it is, that now you've got surplus. Instead of the million two, you only use 700,000, you've got 500,000 of surplus, which can now be invested in something that can actually grow, right? So, and you're gonna do it for 30 years, 35 years. That $500,000 is going to turn into three, $4 million, depending on what kind of return you get on it. It is a really, really meaningful thing. And I think, you know, it gets underplayed. You know, I talk about this all the time, Commission-free annuities are the most important financial product innovation since the ETF. I mean, it, it's so powerful, you know, what these products can bring to a portfolio. The the other aspect I'll, I'll, you know, bring up is, you know, relative to this, you know, psychological notion, you know, there's plenty of academic research, again, which shows that people who have annuities live happier retirements. Mm-hmm. You know, there's less worry. You get all, you, know, you don't have to worry, you know, the market's up today. The market's down. You know, what's going on with my income? You don't have to worry. You get your income needs met, you know, and they're met for life. So typically the way we, you know, we, you know, we're talking to, you know, advisors about working with their clients is let's put it into a structure your client can really appreciate, which is let's look at your retirement and let's define through your financial planning, what are your essential expenses? You know, what can you not live without? You you have to have home. You've got to have health care. You got to, you got to eat. You got to have, you know, for some people like me, you got to be able to golf, you know, or whatever. You got to be able to go on vacation. Let's put some of those things into your essential needs, whatever you deem as essential. Let's cover essential stuff with guaranteed income, social security. If you happen to be lucky enough to have a pension, let's fill the gap with an annuity. And so clients can really appreciate that. Okay. I get it. I can't do without this stuff. Let's guarantee it then for variable things your legacy how much you're going to pass on to your kids you know those you know vacations and other things that you might want to do in retirement let's fund those with something that's variable equities the market right makes total sense so you know that's a great way you know for clients to get comfortable into their retirement that's a framework you know that anybody can understand you know the things that i have to have let me live with the peace of mind that those are taken care of the things that can be variable, you know, let me, you know, go for upside in the market.
0: You know, it's interesting. I have a client who, um, he, he's 70, she's 74. They've, he's just now finally retiring and they've done very, very well. Um, but he's also, um, he, he she more aggressive, doesn't see the need for doing anything with a guarantee. He's, I would say, moderate conservative and nervously moderate conservative in his allocation. So I propose to them that they take a pretty substantial share of their assets and they convert those in, and showed them that if they then, by covering all the fixed needs, would take the rest of the portfolio and invest it fully aggressively, that they'd wind up with, you know, assuming how, of course it varies by how long they live, but they'd wind up with essentially the same legacy, which is very important to them, as in the first case. And, you know, so it's, it is interesting. I think the more conservative an investor is, the more this seems to me, at least to make sense to cover, as you, as you have said, to cover the, the essential parts of your spending with that guarantee so that you can not, you don't have to freak out about allowing the rest of your portfolio to be very growth pursuing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can see it actually in both directions. You know, some people who are very aggressive can say, okay, okay you're telling me I can fund this basic income need more efficiently with less assets, that gives me more money to go out into the market with, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to, you know, get upside with. Um, So, you know, you see that working in both directions. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the, you know, one of the other things that, you know, annuities and guaranteed income do for clients in retirement, particularly those like those conservative clients who worry about outliving their money, it gives them, you know, what researchers call a license to spend. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest problems you read about it all the time, you know, for retirees in America, is they don't spend enough in retirement because they're worry about running out of money. Mm-hmm. So Particularly early in retirement, you're afraid of withdrawing too much because you might, you know, run out of money later. You know, later in life, when you've got those essential needs covered, you know, you you don't worry so much about taking that vacation you always dreamed about and enjoying Mm -hmm. your retirement. You don't worry about helping, you know, your grandson with their down payment on their first house. You know, whatever it might be, you know, you feel more free to utilize your assets because you know that your your essential needs are covered.
0: Mm -hmm. So I know that some of our listeners, uh, for a variety of reasons, come with understandable skepticism about this, and we've addressed some of that, and it has in large part to do with some of the sales practices and some of the fees that have been built traditionally into these sorts of products. Are there, uh, for some for their clients, and you've I, I think I know your answer to this, but at least I'll pose it, uh, so that if they were sitting here, they could be posing it too. Are there instances in which you'd say, that even uh, under the assumption of a commission free structure there there might be the temptation for some people to over prescribe these
3: yeah yeah i mean that's again you you know for me part of the big value in what we're doing is working with people like you who who are fiduciaries so who you know wouldn't necessarily have any reason to overprescribe, mm-hmm. um, And that's the benefit, right? You know, with the commission, there's a high incentive to overprescribe, mm-hmm. right? There's, mm-hmm. you know, I get paid more, the more you buy, the more I get paid, you know, mm-hmm. there's, so you've, you've got that, you know, kind of uh, in, incentive to do that. You know, that's the value of, you know, no load, you know, whether it's annuities or mutual funds or anything else, you, you don't have any incentive to do any more than you think is the best thing. Right. I mean, you you want to deliver, you know, the best outcome for your client, and there's no financial incentive within the product for you to make a choice of one thing over another. It's just, you know, what do I think is going to deliver the best outcome for this client, given their particular, you know, needs, disposition, you know, you know, psychology, you know, etc. So I think, um, you know, that that's a huge advantage of of no load, just in in general. All right, and. Go ahead.
0: No, yeah. So, and my colleague Roshan also had said, you know, Eric, I think I've, and, and this is, I think, he was just sort of like, I think one of the criticisms I've heard is that there, there are certain ages beyond which there, it's, it's now not useful to concern yourself with this you you, to to if you you need to get on it a little earlier maybe is the implication of this but i think the way that he would structure this question is is to say is there an age beyond which or a, a proximity to your life expectancy beyond which you probably you've you've kind of missed that best window of opportunity and now the argument in favor of this sort of a solution has really been diminished by just the passage of time
3: yeah, I mean, certainly when you're talking about income products that that would be the case. You know, if you're, you know, 80 and and frankly, I mean, there are limits within products. I mean, insurance carriers won't let you write, a, you know, an income product for a 100-year-old person. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, once you get to, you know, 80, 85 years old, it, you know, the income products you know, don't necessarily uh, you know, play as much of a role um though it might if you've got somebody with a you know particularly you know long life expectancy for you know whatever you know family history reasons but but that doesn't mean you know annuities don't work for that person right mm-hmm. because again structurally you're getting tax deferral and you're mm-hmm. getting you know the benefit of accumulation so you might not be looking for income but you might still say okay fixed income markets pretty tough um migas which are multi-year guaranteed annuities you know which is just like a cd uh, except with tax deferral, might offer an attractive rate. And it's a you know three year product. It's a four year product. That that could make complete sense for somebody who's even, you know, you know, eighty five, ninety years old, um, you know, to you know, to think about, you know, something like that. And again, they're not losing their assets. You know, they're not turning over their assets, you know, like with a spia. Uh, you know, or or something like that. So it's just another investment product, you know, that could make sense.
0: So for you and our listeners, I'll just mention that one of the things that we look at in in trying to shape the the asset allocation plan is to house the fastest growing things in their tax-free category. If they have some Roth or the through... Creation or con- conversion, uh, they're tax inefficient things in an IRA, and then they're tax efficient leftovers in a taxable account. You've created, you know, in in this sense, you've sort of opened my thinking a little bit to say, okay, yeah, a MIGA for that portion of the, let's say the the short term bond component. That if yep. you don't have enough room in the IRA to do that, you might do it in a, you might do it in a MIGA and get essentially exactly. the same thing. Wait until they're at a point in time when they're a lower marginal income tax bracket, and then allow them to incur some taxation all of that.
3: So I appreciate your your highlighting that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no worries. I mean it's you know ordinary income, right? It, mm-hmm. Ordinary income almost always makes sense to tax defer. You know, that's uh, you know one of the things at Jefferson National, the purpose of the product was you know to create a tax efficient mechanism. When you know when I built that product, you know, the notion was okay, you know, advisors who are managing money You're doing it within a brokerage, you know, taxable brokerage account, by and large. Let's give you basically an unlimited tax-deferred investment account, you know, for $20 a month. Let's take advantage of tax deferral, locate your tax-inefficient assets within the annuity, the tax-efficient stuff within the brokerage account, just like you were just describing. Um, So, yeah, it it makes, you know, all kinds of sense to do Mm -hmm. that. You know, the value, you know, tax-deferral, as I used to say all the time, you know, when I spoke on tax deferral a lot, you know, tax deferral is valuable. It's valuable to the tune of, you know, done right, you know, two percent, you know, annually to a portfolio. But in the case of traditional annuities, if the annuity costs you 150 basis points just to own it, you know, you've virtually killed the value of tax deferral. So. Again, the, you know, the, the value of no load when you, when you start looking at that. And, you know, the, the other, I'll just put this in quickly. The other, you know, application lots of advisors see and clients for MIGAs, you know, again, the multi-year guaranteed annuity is CD replacements. You know, there, there mm-hmm. are people who, you know, have lots and lots of money in CDs and assets and CDs and they yield almost nothing. Uh, today. You know, those those are, you know, particularly inflation adjusted, you're just losing value in an annuity, I mean, in a CD, I'm sorry, uh, where you can get, you know, similar safety, not the FDIC insurance, of course, but you can get, you know, very safe, MIGA, simple products with, you know, attractive rates. If you look at you know CD rates compared to MIGA rates. The you know MIGAs are paying you know significantly more. So how uh, is it CDs?
0: that the the annuity providers are able to do a higher rate than is possible for the banks? What what's the, what leads to that outcome? I would be thinking they're dealing with the same underlying investment opportunities in the and markets to support. Yeah, them.
3: some of it's structural relative to you know how you can you know lever your assets as a as mm-hmm. a you know financial institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know some of it is of course overhead. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, banks still have bank branches despite Mm -hmm. our best efforts. Um, So (laughs) the banks still have, you know, very expensive overhead, Uh, and the assets, and don't forget, the assets that are primarily driving returns on the bank side are mortgages, Mm -hmm. right? So mortgage rates are down dramatically. So their their spreads, you know, with their overhead are super tight. Mm so there's you know there's not as much yield within mortgages as an insurance company who is managing you know to the fixed income world. So mm-hmm. you know a great example I usually use for financial advisors is you know that because insurance companies are among the best fixed income managers in the world. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know Allianz, who's one of the largest fixed income managers, you know insurance companies on the planet. Pimco manages their they own Pimco. Pimco, you know, which is, you know, one of the, you know, largest if not the largest fixed income manager on the mutual fund ETF side is owned by Allianz who manages Allianz's portfolio. Mm-hmm. So you're getting, you know, kind of Pimco, you know, I I I probably can't say this regulatorily but you're kind of getting a Pimco managed portfolio you know along with risk pooling when you're getting a you know product like from Allianz so mm-hmm. uh you that's that's why insurance carriers can provide you better yields on MIGA's than banks because the primary asset for banks is going to be mortgages uh the you know and insurance companies can go in more places on the fixed income Uh, side
0: well david i'm going to ask adrian in just a moment to if he's got a, a last question you had indicated you have a time constraint and we want to be respectful of that but um how would people who want to follow you or uh get in touch with you how would they do so
3: yeah the uh you can always you know call us you know numbers on on the website and i've you know i'm I can't believe I I, I don't know the eight hundred number offhand, but go to the go to the website, you know, D-P- D-P- dplfp.com. dot D-P-L-F-P. <laughs> com. We've got a a tremendous amount of content on there, you know, relative to annuities, you know, a lot of education. You know, we focus, you know, a tremendous amount on education. We're revamping the whole website right now, introducing what we call DPL University or DPLU. It's going to have a lot of, you know, self study classes, you know, designed for advisors and consumers um, and, you know, access to our tools, um, which are, you know, super cool. Mm, that's great. Yeah,
0: so uh, we'll we'll also have that contact information in our show notes, David, so uh, people cool. can check there if they weren't able to c- catch a piece I, of paper I, I and used, scratch it. Down. I
3: used to remember phone numbers, probably like most of us. Like <laughs> I was terrific at it. Right now, I, I you can barely remember my wife's number, you know, because it's all programmed into your phone these days. <laughs> so true.
2: So, Adrian, did you have any last questions before we? I
3: say think goodbye we covered
2: everything. I really enjoyed our discussion today, David. But again, thank you for being here. And I'm sure you really helped our listeners who just had more questions about annuities or considering annuities. You really kind of gave them a really good overview on On what to start and what to look for but eric i'll pass it over to you okay well listeners thanks so much for sticking with us i i know
0: you know different there's different persistencies during various episodes of our podcast and i have a strong sense that we're going to have a deep persistence on this particular episode and that's david entirely attributable to you so thank you so much for joining us it's we're really grateful and i know our listeners will be grateful too Listeners, if yeah. you do wonder how to uh, find those show notes, then here's another web address for you to remember, com retirementlifestyleshow.com. Look, if you're listening to this very recently, it's going to be, um, you know, uh, or I should say shortly after our releasing this, it's going to be straight up there on the website. If you can't find it on the first three or four or five or whatever the display on the first page, go up to the tab at the top that says all episodes and and you should be able to find it. So David, any sort of parting thoughts from you before we adjourn?
3: No, just, you know, thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Mm. And, you know, just for, you know, people listening, you know, this is a new world with annuities. I mean, you you change everything when you take the commission out, like I said, from the financial incentives to, you know, of, you know, recommending the products to the cost. um, And these are valuable products. You know, don't let Ken Fisher sway you. Um, You know, Ken Fisher never could get paid on these assets. He had a very strong financial incentive to be anti-annuity. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. let's listen to the academics. Uh, let's, You know, we try to you know, do everything by academic study, um, you know, here and make our recommendations accordingly. So anyhow, again, you know, thanks so much for having me uh, and you know, it was really good to spend time. Absolutely.
0: All right, listeners. So thanks so much for joining us. Leave us a review. uh, Tell your friends about us. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. This has been another episode of the Retirement Lifestyle Show.
1: Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at RetirementLifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through RTA Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge, or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question or to schedule a conversation, go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arete Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arete Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor, and securities through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, Member, FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance, by Jason Shaw in Audionotics, It's part of the YouTube Audio Library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening.